in the weeks and months before September 11th, 2001. Of course, I was living downtown New York. Most of you, or a lot of you, uh, had been to my apartment, some of you many times, uh, downtown. Uh, at that point, and during that summer, in the weeks and months before 9-11, uh, I was working to finish my first book, uh, I really wasn't doing much teaching. I was doing a little bit. Uh, I had left New York Insight in terms of being on the board and the Teachers Council, and I was actually the first director, the first paid director. And I had left, I'm not quite sure of the chronology, but it was sometime uh, probably at the beginning of 2000, I think. Uh, so I was finishing up this book and I was teaching a little bit. Uh, one of the things I was doing that summer uh, I taught a couple of times at the Community Garden on 6th Street and Avenue B, uh, which was really a pleasure. And uh, one of the people that used to come to my classes a lot was a fellow by the name of Jim, Jim, Jim Barbella. Uh, and uh, very distinctly remember him, uh, uh, very distinctly remember him uh, standing out in front of the garden looking up and down the street because his young daughter, I think she was in college at the time, was going to come to the, uh, come to the sitting. You know, he was very excited. You can see that his daughter was going to come. And, uh, and, he, and he died on 9-11. Uh, it's one of those people who was like on the second floor of one of the towers, and, uh, but was trying to help people get out. But I think we all knew, or many of us knew, knew people. Uh, who, who died that day, and of course, uh, we hold all of them in our hearts, and, and, and also the people who were really affected. I mean, we were all affected, particularly if we lived downtown in New York during that time. Uh, as I said, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing a lot of teaching, but I, I was teaching a couple of beginner's classes uh, I, I taught a beginner's class that started a few weeks after 9-11. I think, Connie, you were in that class. Yeah. Uh, and I remember leaving that class, you know, uh, and it was at Tibet House. And, uh, uh, you know, leaving and, you know, you, this, this, you could smell, you know, the, the you know, the, uh, it was a very distinct odor from uh, the 9-11 Ground Zero. And, uh, I remember one day walking back home and, uh, you know, it just kind of came to me after that class and it just came to me, you know, what I was going to do, you know, because I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, you know, I had been very involved with New York Insight, I had been a director, been doing a little bit of teaching, but not so much. And uh, it just kind of came to me that I was going to start a group. I was going to start my own group as the guiding teacher. It was going to be a small group where we would have uh, opportunity for uh, a close relationship between the teacher and the students, and really a community. I wanted to start a little community, and that was Downtown Meditation Community, which started a few months after 9-11, just at the very beginning of 2002. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I wanted, you know, and of course it was a very organic process, but I think we all kind of had this sense that we wanted to do something, you know. We wanted to try to do something that was good in the world. Uh, and, you know, that was my, my motivation to, to start that group. 
uh, the first couple of years were a challenge, you know, I mean, the teaching was great, the group was coming together, uh, some of you, Fran, Connie, you were there uh, at the beginning, probably some of you who are here right now that I'm missing. Uh, it was, but it was tough for me because uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't really supporting myself as a teacher in the group and I was actually in a lot of debt and after a couple of years and uh, I kind of started to think about what I was going to do because, you know, I needed to, to pay my bills and, uh, you know, I was actually really strongly thinking about, you know, graduate school or getting a degree in psychology or getting an MSW, uh, you know, and I was, you know, kind of going through all that application process even at that point and at some point I said, you know, I'm not going to do this, you know, I want to, uh, I want to continue to teach the Dharma, you know, uh, there's enough people who are psychotherapists and social workers, etc. and that's a very noble profession, but, uh, you know, what I have the opportunity to do as a teacher of the Dharma and, you know, and leading this group uh, is something that's really important, something that's really important, uh, you know, that, uh, that, you know, as a Dharma teacher and being in a Dharma group, you know, we had a very important message that the world really needed to hear. Uh, and then, of course, it was the message of the Buddha. So, so long story short, of course, you know, I stayed with it. And the group said, you know, we'll support you. And, and you know, uh, and it was uh, uh, just really uh, a beautiful and, and great experience in, 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 in leading that group for many years. Uh, you know, and again, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to continue to do what I was doing because, because we, it was really we had an important message to pass on, which is the message of the Buddha, you know. Uh, and one way to think about what the message of the Buddha is, is that the way to happiness, true happiness in this life is through our actions something we talk about a lot, and of course, it's through our actions, but specifically our actions that are informed by compassion and goodwill. You know, this is the message of the Buddha, it's a message of goodwill. It's a message of goodwill. Uh, you know, the meditation enables us to take action that's informed by goodwill. You know, the skills that we learn in meditation enable us to take action that's informed by goodwill. Uh, but Dharma practice is more than just the meditation and the mindfulness, right? You know, it's more than just meditation and mindfulness. Uh, if I, I think if, you know, if I was just, as a teacher, just going to teach meditation and mindfulness, I don't know that I would have stayed doing what I was doing. Uh, but Dharma practice offers more. It's more than just a practice of meditation and mindfulness. It offers us a way of living, a way to live, to be in the world, to express ourselves with goodwill, with kindness, with love, with compassion. So it's an important message. It's an important practice. Uh, it's, an, of course, a particularly important message as it was, and, and, I, and I felt at that time, in those days after 9-11, given the way the world was. And, uh, you know, the Buddha, you know, decided that he was going to give up his life of, his life of luxury and uh, sense pleasure because 
he wanted to see if he could, he could live in a different way and pass on a different kind of message and, and have more of an impact on the world. And, you know, and, and he wanted to do that because you know, he looked at the world that he was living in and saw that there was a lot of uh, greed and hatred and delusion in the world. And of course, if we look at our world, we see that, right? We see that, uh, you know, we see, you know, the way of the world and the actions that people take, you know, riddled with violence and hatred and anger, ruthless competition, greed. The way the Buddha described it, you know, and he, he gave this description of himself before when he was still a bodhisattva. You know, we're all bodhisattvas seeking after awakening. This is, he was awakened when he gave this talk, but he was talking about the time before he was awakened. And he said, when embraced, the rod of violence breeds danger and fear. Look at people quarreling. I will tell of how I experience dismay. So he was talking about himself as a bodhisattva. Look at people quarreling, I will tell how I experience dismay. See, seeing people floundering like fish in small puddles, competing one another. As I saw this, fear came into me. The world was entirely without substance. All the directions were knocked out of line. Wanting a haven for myself, I saw nothing that wasn't laid claim to. Seeing nothing in the end but competition, I felt discontent. So, you know, seeing what he saw, you know, he set out to live life in a different way. And of course, it's pretty similar to what we see today. You know, uh, you know if we look out at the world the way the Buddha did as a bodhisattva, uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't news, uh, but if you look at the TV and you look at the news, this is what we see. You know, violence, hatred, anger ruthless competition, the way the Buddha described it, uh, people at odds with one another, greed. Of course, the Buddha did a very interesting thing. You know, as he looked out at the world, he saw what he saw, and he saw greed, hatred, and delusion, and then he did an interesting thing. He looked at himself. He looked out at the world, but then he looked inside himself. And he said, seeing nothing in the end but competition, I felt discontent. And then I saw an arrow here, so very hard to see, embedded in the heart. Overcome by this arrow, you run in all directions. So he looked in his heart, and see, he saw that his heart was afflicted. Just the same way that all those other beings out there who were in so much pain and suffering and riddled with anger and hatred and delusion, he looked in his own heart, and that's what he saw. And of course, this is what we're asked to do as Dharma students, you know, to see the arrow embedded in our own heart and pull them out. The arrows embedded in our heart and to pull out those arrows, he said. And then I saw an arrow here, so very hard to see, embedded in the heart, overcome by this arrow you run in all directions. But simply on pulling it out, you don't run, you don't sink. So, you know, this is what we seek to do, is pull out these arrows of aversion and desire and delusion and, and to go forward in this life with goodwill. So I'm using this word goodwill uh, uh, sort of instead of loving kindness or metta. You know, metta is the wish that we have to be happy and the wish that we have for all beings, all beings, 
that they be happy of heart. Sometimes we translate metta as loving kindness. Uh, Tinisaro Bhikkhu uh, likes to translate uh, uh, metta as goodwill. Goodwill. Uh, and you know he has a lot of reasons, which are, I think are good reasons. And part of it is, you know, if we think about love, which of course is, uh, you know, is 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 in the heart, uh, we tend to think of, you know, I love this person, I love that person, and we think that it's something that we have to express as a direct action. And if you think about metta, it's, 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 it's metta for all beings, you know, and we can't be there for all beings, needless to say, but we can have goodwill, we can wish all beings well. So in the reading, so I'll put that, uh, that article by uh, Tanda Sarabhika when he talks about why he uses the word goodwill, but I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good word for, for metta. You know, words are just words, but uh, you know, it's an interesting word, goodwill. Something I've been thinking about, this word, uh, goodwill. Uh, uh, if you break it apart, of course, there's two words there. There's good and there's will. You know? uh, and you know, what that means to us, or can mean to us, certainly means to me, is that you know, goodwill is an act of will. Goodwill is an act of will. It's something that we will. Doing my due diligence, I looked in my Merriam-Webster's. Of course, back in 2001, when we started the group, it would have been a big, heavy book on my bookshelf. Now I could just do it online. Uh, uh, will, to cause, or you know, there's various definitions of will. Uh, this is the verb will, the transitive verb for you English majors. Uh, the transitive verb, will, to cause or change by an act of will. Intend, purpose. And then this one I particularly like, to determine by an act of choice. So, uh, goodwill is an act of will. Uh, it's, uh, we will ourselves uh, to act in a certain way. So it's a process, it's an acting, or a process of acting. So we will ourselves. So, so in, 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 in being beings of goodwill, uh, when we practice with goodwill, when we live our good with goodwill, we will ourselves to express what is good. We will ourselves to express what is good. In practicing goodwill, we will ourselves to express what is good in us. What is what I like to think of? What is best in us? You know, what's best in us is our hearts. We will ourselves to express what is good in us, to express our goodness, to express the goodwill in the heart, the love in the heart, the kindness, compassion, fearlessness, and the deep wish in the heart that we have for ourselves and all beings for peace. The Buddha said, "The greatest happiness is peace." So goodwill is something that we will. Uh, it's projected into the world through an act of will. So what does that mean? There's a conscious intention. There's a conscious intention to act with goodwill. There's a conscious intention to act with goodwill. This is really important. So you know, in practicing goodwill, in Dharma practice, we cultivate a conscious intention to act with goodwill. You know, it, it, and there's a couple of things that that means. One thing is, 
you know, will, goodwill is, or, or love and kindness, or metta, isn't an affect. You know, it has an affective quality, but it's not an affect. It's not an affect. Uh, it's an action. You know, it's an action. It's a willed action. Uh, and what it also means is that goodwill just doesn't happen. I mean, it happens sometimes, but most of the time it just doesn't happen. What happens spontaneously is, is action based on past karma. The goodwill just doesn't happen for most of us most of the time. We have to will it. It has to be willed. We have to purposely engender an intention to take action informed by metta, by goodwill. So it's something that we, we fabricate. You know, we fabricate the intention and the action. Goodwill at it, on its uh, noble level is, is, is unfabricated and unconditioned, but in order to get there, you have to fabricate an intention and fabricate an action. Just like right now, I always use this kind of a analogy, you know. I mean, you could be sitting here and listening, and then you could be sitting here and listening, or not listening, and have the intention to be here and listen with goodwill. And you can try that right now consciously fabricate the intention to be here in this group today with each of these beings with goodwill. And you can start to see the difference when we consciously will goodwill. When we consciously will goodwill. We fabricate that intention. And this is what we we're asked to do as Dharma students with all that we do in this life. With all that we do in this life. All of our actions. The Buddha talks about three kinds of actions. He, this is part of the teaching he gave to his son Rahula when Rahula was a, a youngster. You know, there's three kinds of actions. Our deeds, our physical actions, our speech. You know, so we will, uh, we will action that's informed by the heart, by goodwill, by compassion, uh, through conscious intention in terms of the actions that we take, that our deeds, our speech. And then the third form of action our thinking, our thinking, you know? you know? And I don't know about you, but goodwill just doesn't, in my mind, in terms of my thinking, usually doesn't arise spontaneously. I have to will that. Let me think about this being with goodwill. Let me think about myself with goodwill. Let me think about all beings with goodwill. So we seek to consciously intend to act with goodwill in terms of what we call our blatant actions. Uh, the Buddha talked about the blatant and the subtle. So our blatant actions, our, you know, our relationships with our partner, with our children, with our parents, with our friends. Uh, it's particularly important with our primary relationships, and I've been seeing this a lot lately, uh, you know, in, in working with people and kind of uh, uh, you know, in, 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 in terms of their, uh, uh, you know, their primary relationships, if it's with a partner, you know, I think, you know, with partners, it can be really uh, important to consciously fabricate intention, because what happens with a partner, you know, if you, particularly if you're married a long time, or you're in a relationship a long time with somebody, or it could be with, you know, a sibling or a friend, you know, you, you get into ruts. Anybody ever notice that? 
you know? So you develop a habitual way of relating and interacting with that being, you know? Uh, and, you know, and you just naturally go into those ruts, those habitual ways of relating. So, uh, you know, the way out of that rut is to see that you're in the rut, but you have to consciously have an intention to relate to the other with loving kindness, with metta, with goodwill. It's not just going to happen, right? What's going to happen is you're going to go right into those ruts. So we bring this quality of intention into our relationships, into the work that we do, and then of course on the more subtle level into our day-to-day -day actions, what I like to call the moment-to-moment -moment actions. And the very subtle actions, just walking down the street, making dinner, being in the group, listening to the Dhamma talk. And then of course the most subtle level of actions, which I've already alluded to, is our thinking. You know, is our thinking. So we learn to cultivate intention to imbue our thinking with goodwill and, of course, to abandon thoughts informed by hatred, anger, and greed. But that's something you have to consciously intend to do. You know, let me think about this being with loving-kindness, with goodwill. Let me engender thoughts of loving-kindness uh, to myself. Let me relate to this other being in terms of the way that I'm thinking about them with goodwill or compassion. Or other beings or groups of beings. Yeah. Yeah. The us and the them. So we fabricate the intention to act with goodwill. Let me speak to my partner with loving kindness. Let me take action today in regard to myself that's an act of goodwill for myself in which I'm willing uh, what's good so that I can make the most of my life and, and live my life so that I project myself into the world uh, in, 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 in taking action that is driven by what's good in me. What's good in me. Let me will what is good in me. My goodness. The path is fabricated. You know, this is something that's very important to understand. The path is something that you fabricate. This, the road is a road that you make. The path is a fabricated. We fabricate the path. We fabricate our lives. It's something that we do. You know, if we don't consciously fabricate intention informed by goodwill, if we don't engage in this kind of act of will, if we don't will goodwill, we'll act in accord with our past karma. You know, which basically means that our actions will be the same. You know, the way that we relate to our partner or our children or our parents will be the same. The way that we speak will be the same. The way that we think, you know, I mean, you know, when I really started looking at this, you know, and I started looking at the way that I think, it was like, you know, you've been having the same thoughts since you were 10 years old, you know? It hasn't really changed. Maybe it's time to shake things up a little bit and to start to think in a different way. This is something that you can do because thought is fabrication. It's something that you fabricate. Meditation enables us to have some space and to develop skills so that we can learn to abandon unskillful mental qualities like greed and hatred and delusion. It enables us to have some space so that there's some 
you know, there's some space where we can observe our actions. We call that heedfulness, right? There's some space so we can observe our actions. Sometimes we call it the pause, so we can ch consciously choose what we want to will, what we want to do, and how we want to act. We can consciously choose to act with goodwill. So the meditation is a path, you know, this is a path of freedom. Meditation is what gives you freedom. You know, this, we use these words, you know, oh, meditation is a path of freedom. I used to love that. What does that mean? You know, the meditation, the Dhamma, gives you an opportunity, if you practice it, to be free to choose. You're free to choose instead of being a prisoner to your past karma. Most people are prisoners to the past karma, prisoners to the social karma, you know, the cultural karma. I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. Well, that, everybody else has got a smartphone. I think I should get one. You know, everybody else is doing this. I'm going to do this. You know? So we're not free. You know, we're not free. Meditation gives us an opportunity to be free and, to, uh, and the freedom to choose. So we're free to choose how we want to shape our lives. You're free to choose how you want to shape your lives. If you practice meditation, you're free to choose how you want to shape your life. The degree to which you develop your skills in meditation is going to determine the degree of your freedom and your capacity to be able to choose how you want to shape your life. But you know, that comes from the concentration and the wisdom we develop in meditation. You're free to choose how you want to live, but you have to choose freedom. You have to choose freedom. And most people don't want to choose freedom. Even if we develop the skills of meditation, we don't choose to be free. Because it's harder. The Buddha said most people aren't going to choose freedom because it's harder. It's harder. Because we're going against the grain of our karma, we're going against the cultural grain, we're going against the current. So to live with goodwill, you have to take up the responsibility of a free human being. And you have to make a conscious choice to live with goodwill. It's a choice that you make. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make. Just like that choice I made back in 2001, I'm going to start this group. And the choice I made in 2003, not to toot my own horn, uh, you know, the choice I made in 2003 that I'm going to stay with this because it was an important message. So, of course, the path begins with a broad resolve, right? You know, I want to live my life with goodwill. You know, that's kind of a broad resolve. I want to live my life with goodwill. I want to be free and choose to live with goodwill, to express myself in the world, to project myself in this life, uh, my project in this life. That's a good contemporary word, project. You know, to, to, to my project is to live in this way. So we, we begin to have this resolve. I'm going to... I'm going to live with goodwill. I'm going to live my life more from the heart. So we start with that resolve, but you know there tends to be a gap between that resolve and our day-to-day -day actions. You know, so we have to learn to be true to our resolves. You know, and uh, you know what that means is you know our resolve has to manifest in action, in the actions that we take from day to day, moment to moment, action to action. You know, it's the intentions that we fabricate every time we take an action. You know, that really is what determines whether or not we're choosing freedom and we're choosing to live and we're willing to live with goodwill. 
So we consciously will ourselves to take action in support of what's good. What's good in us, our goodness, our goodwill, love, compassion, peace. We consciously will ourselves to act with goodwill. It's something you have to do, you know? And it's something that, you know, you do, you know, you start where you are. I mean, you start in the Dharma class right now. I'm going to listen to what Dubinin is saying with goodwill. You know, and then after the class, I'm going to talk to my partner or my kids with goodwill. Or I'm going to take an action today that's an act of goodwill towards myself. Or I'm going to think. I'm going to engender thoughts of goodwill. I'm going to engender thoughts of goodwill. So we consciously will ourselves to act with goodwill towards ourselves and towards all beings. And, you know, and if we can't act in terms of our speech and our deeds with regard to all beings, we can act with regard to all beings in terms of our thinking. You know, that's what Tanisaro was talking about. You know? You know? So our thinking about all beings is informed by goodwill, if we choose it to be. If we choose it to be. It's a choice that you make. So our message is a message of goodwill. The Buddha's message is a message of goodwill. This is the Dharma. This is why we practice the Dharma. You know, this is why we started downtown meditation community, why we continued on, why we why we keep keeping on. You know, as teachers, you know, we encourage you to live with goodwill. You know, we try to pass on what the Buddha taught and what others have taught throughout the centuries, that there is a way to happiness, and it's by living with goodwill, you know, living with goodwill. You know, the message is that this is a path of goodwill, and the path of goodwill is a path of happiness. And that's the message of the Buddha. The path of goodwill is the path of happiness. If we live with goodwill, we know happiness, happiness of heart, happiness of heart. And one of the reasons why there's happiness of heart when we act with goodwill towards all beings is we bring goodwill into the world. You know, this is how you bring goodwill into the world. You want there to be more, this is what the Buddha saw, look at the way the world is, I want to do something about it, I'm going to start to live my life instead of living it with greed, hatred, and delusion, or a lot of greed as, as a prince, I'm going to start to live with goodwill. And it's done one person at a time. You know, and this is why there's such great happiness and joy. Uh, because we bring goodwill into the world when we consciously intend to act with goodwill. And certainly, the world needs more goodwill. The world needs goodwill. What we're doing is important. <laughs>